Coming up, it's a stormy week and not just on the roads. Right now, we're, we're in a war. These state lawmakers not talking about Ukraine here, but a fight over Cleaver's seat, and they're willing to shut down the legislature if they don't get their way. Plus, is this the company creating all that mystery and fuss in Kansas? And didn't see that happening. The mayor of Independence calls it quits. Also this week, we ask, how can a mug become one of the biggest news stories of the week? Oh, and hold off on the balloons. Could that ribbon cutting on the new look KCI be delayed? Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome, I'm Nick Haynes, and thank you for joining us on the journey through the week's most impactful, confusing, and befuddling local news stories on the Week in Review bus this week from KCUR News, Lisa Rodriguez from KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo, always on call at the Kansas City Call, editor and reporter Eric Wesson, and from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. We start this week with a big question. Should we be worried that the new look KCI won't open on time? Did you see there were some pointed words at City Hall this week over a new report that blasts minority hiring on the billion-dollar terminal project. The Federal Aviation Administration has found what it describes as significant compliance issues when it comes to the hiring of women and minority contractors. First off, they've already announced an opening day for the new single terminal. That's March 3rd, 2023. In fact, we had top leaders on the project on this program just a few weeks ago, and they said they're running on time and on budget. Does this latest report, though, from the Federal Aviation Administration change that, Lisa? You know, officials are still saying that it is on time and on budget, but it certainly is not a good look for this project, um, especially at this point. We've been talking and going back and forth about minority representation and giving opportunity to, to companies in Kansas City and giving them an opportunity to grow ever since we started, before, before a single brick was was demolished or a single piece of concrete was was taken down and so this this isn't a good look leaders promised a transformational project they promised the biggest numbers of minority and women representation of any project in the city's history and so it's it's not a good look but i'm not sure and maybe my colleagues can tell me to any indications that have come to me is that it has not affected the project's timeline Eric, you know, you, we also had the aviation director this week, Pat Klein, saying, you know, these things are quite routine. They're very commonplace, these kinds of investigations. Is this a big deal or not? I think some people would like for it to be where there's smoke, there's fire. But one of the ladies that are women that applied for one of the contracts for the concrete and her bid didn't win. That, that created the uproar that led to the letter going to the FAA. Why is it, Dave, you know, that we only seem to ever hear about minority contractors when it comes to Kansas City, Missouri itself? In fact, I have right here that, that new mystery project in Kansas, you know, that f a billion dollars in tax incentives. This is a 49-page bill. And I, there's lots of conditions on what this company has to follow. Not one mention there of, you know, you have to hire a certain number of women, you have to hire a certain number of uh, minority contractors, otherwise you won't get this bid. This is a special circumstance, Nick, in part because uh, the FAA is a federal agency 
and there are federal dollars involved at the airport. That's what people are worried about, not the completion date, but the idea that the FAA might come in and say, look, you did not take these complaints seriously about minority and women participation. And because of that, we're going to try and claw back some federal dollars for the airport. And that would be a concern. Pete. But until there's there's more smoke here, uh, I don't think it's going to resonate with a lot of folks until we get something more concrete, no pun intended. I did mention the Kansas Mystery Project just a short while ago. Uh, by the way, an Oklahoma newspaper is speculating that the secret company is Panasonic, while best known for consumer electronics. Panasonic is becoming a leading player in the electric vehicle battery market. But, Dave, is this just idle gossip, or can we take this to the bank? Well, we can't take it completely to the bank. The Kansas City Star also reported uh, that Panasonic is the rumored company that's interested in building a battery plant. We don't know that for sure, but it does make some sense, doesn't it, Nick? Because we have two uh, automobile manufacturing plants in the Kansas City region, and uh, both uh, both Ford and GM are moving toward electric vehicles, so it makes some sense. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Lisa, I, I saw the governor this week say, you know, it may be until mid-March before we actually have a decision. I mean, that's a month away. If I'm having trouble sleeping right now, worrying about this project and who this company is, why is it taking so long? You, you, you may be on an island there. Maybe you and the Kansas legislature are, are kept up late at night with a project this big, if it's as massive and as, as transformative as the legislature and the governor are, are making it out to be, then I think it's just, I think that to me seems like a, a reasonable time to weigh the pros and cons. Just because we marked Valentine's Day this week doesn't mean it was hugs and kisses everywhere. Sweet treats and love notes were in short supply in Jefferson City, where lawmakers are still clashing over congressional maps. Right now, we're, we're in a war. The filibuster goes on. Senators, you work for us. Listen to us. And we want more conservatives uh, to go to Washington. This week, members of the Conservative Caucus in the Missouri Senate say they won't pass any bills for the remainder of the session until they get their way. What is that way? They want Kansas City Congressman Emanuel Cleaver out. The plan cut his district in two, making it almost impossible for the Kansas City Democrat to win re-election. Is this just grandstanding to get attention for a few days, or is this going to grind the entire session to a halt, Eric? I think it's grandstanding. I had the opportunity to talk to the congressman over the weekend, and I think they're they're trying to hash out a deal to where uh, it doesn't affect him as much as they would like for it to affect him. So it's not a done deal yet. It's interesting, uh, Pete, that because they've made that move, the Conservative Caucus, they're being blocked by leadership in the Missouri Senate from uh, adding to bills like uh, how to teach race in schools, transgender athletes, things that conservatives care about. Why are they willing to put this issue ahead of all of those other concerns that they, they seem to care about? Well, I, I think you can, uh, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. I, I don't think this process elongating longer than it needs to is necessarily going to hurt those bills from getting across the finish line. So I think it's a drama for right now, but I don't think we're going to look back on this legislative session and say, boy, if only we didn't have that 
lengthy filibuster around the 7162 uh, debate, we would have gotten X, Y, and Z done. I, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think we're going to look back and have that conversation. Lisa? Even, even GOP leadership has said they want to ban critical race theory. They want to tackle these transgender, transgender sports issues. They, they, these are all avowed conservative uh, priorities. So I think that really makes what's happening with this divide here fascinating. And I think potentially could grind the session to, to a halt or at least prevent a lot of things from getting through. In the, in the midst of all of this, they still have to do something with Medicaid. Medicaid expansion is still something that's on the back burner. You have 53% of Missourians say, hey, do something with this. Uh, because people need it, and it's moved all the way to the back burner to talk about all of these other things that aren't affecting the quality of life for a lot of elderly people and, and disadvantaged people in the state. Well, you mentioned Medicaid expansion. Isn't there an effort now to put that back on the ballot, Pete, in November to re-vote on that? If it passed 53% uh, the last time it went to voters, why would there be any change this time around? We know it's expected to be a good year uh, for the Republican Party across the country and, and expected to be the same in Missouri. So with a little more knowledge to the voters, at least from the Republican perspective, uh, they may be able to be, uh, get that thing reversed in their mind. Remember, Kansas, by the way, has been going through the same uh, redistricting process just days after Republican lawmakers overturned a veto from Governor Laura Kelly to dramatically reshape the Kansas political map. Multiple lawsuits filed and a court battle now on the way. It uh, separates uh, communities of interest and particularly disenfranchises our communities of color. Just to recap, what Kansas has decided to do is move Lawrence into the same congressional district as Western Kansas and cut Wyandotte County in half. Democrats say the GOP-drawn map aims to squeeze Congresswoman Sharice David's out of office. Several lawsuits were filed this week challenging the map. But what happens now? If a judge rules they discriminate against minority communities or are blatantly partisan, do they toss it back to lawmakers to redraw the map? Or do the judges themselves take up uh, their own marker pens and get a blank piece of paper and draw maps themselves, Dave? Well, they'll, what they would do, Nick, is give the legislature a deadline to come up with a map that more complies with state law or federal law. And if the legislature <laughs> fails to do that, then the judges would draw their own maps, and they've done that before. They did it 10 years ago when the legislature was unable to come up with a solution. Pete, if the uh, judiciary does stay in keeping with the Republican maps in Kansas, uh, could you imagine a scenario then where Sharice Davids would say, uh, boy, this has been so redistricting, I don't need to run for re-election. I'm going to get out of this race. I don't see that, Nick. With the amount of money that she's got <laughs> as well, stunned if that happens. Well, but it, it may seem implausible, but remember, did, did you see what happened in Independence this week? Longtime Mayor Eileen Weir calls it quits just days after coming in second in a crowded mayoral primary. I don't think I've ever seen a candidate this late in the process who decides I may not win after all, so I'll, I'll just quit the race. Have you, Eric? No, I have never heard of it. And honestly, I was kind of surprised, but this uh, overtime uh, issue that they have there with the police over there is probably something that they hung around her neck that was just too heavy for her to kind of sideswipe out of or keep out of debate if she got into a situation with debates. I was surprised, but, hey, politics is strange sometimes. But, Dave, you actually mentioned last week she was going to have an uphill struggle when it came to that general election uh, in April. But you couldn't have imagined she would just uh, quit the race entirely. No, that's very unusual. And, uh, you know, she's a longtime politician, a professional in that regard. So 
You would guess, Nick, that she knew what she was getting into when she decided to run for re-election. But let's not forget there are legal issues floating around independence, continuing rumors of federal involvement with the council and some of the decisions that were made. I think that that low-level hum is in the background of Eileen Weir's decision here. And so Rory Rowland, who is a Democratic member of the Missouri legislature, will become the next mayor of independence. Right, right. And I think, I mean, to, to put, you know, another point on, on Eileen Weir dropping out of this race, I just want to underscore really how disappointing that primary finish was for her, barely squeaking out a, a, a lead over a conservative challenger by just about 100 votes and having outspent Rowland three to one and, and having and having come through with, with that disappointing result, I really think she saw the writing on the wall. Now, if you didn't already know it, here in public television, we love mugs. In fact, it is one of the main ways, of course, we've thanked viewers for supporting us over the years. So let me be the first to say mugs are very close to our hearts around here. But why is this mug becoming one of the biggest news stories of our week? The Holly campaign is now trying to cash in selling coffee mugs featuring the image and the words, show me strong. Here in public television, we give out a mug when you donate at the $60 membership level. Senator Josh Hawley is giving a mug to people who support his work when they contribute $20 to his campaign. Some people may think that's a bargain. So why is upsetting this upsetting so many folks this week, Eric? I guess because the news cycle is so slow and because Josh Hawley is so controversial, I guess people decided to latch on to it. <laughs> Could it also be that there were complaints that while he says they were made in America, there were stickers on the bottom of the mugs that said made in China, Pete? Yeah, not, not a great look. And I will say, Nick, I do know what my uh, Dave Helling 2022 Christmas gift will be this year. So uh, looking forward to that. That's already checked off my list. But anyway, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that the made in China thing, if accurate, it's not certainly a good look at all. Is it a, a damaging political moment? Uh, with the sticker, no, it's it's not. I think it's a way uh, for Josh Hawley because that was supposed to be a, a career-ending picture, supposedly, to kind of fire back because uh, that certainly has not been the case as we sit here in 2022. And it won't be a, a gift for Dave for the holiday because his wife gave him one of those mugs for Valentine's Day. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, I've got all the mugs I need. And by the way, I will send Pete Mundo the Democratic mug, which was put out this morning which shows the same picture of Josh, uh, Josh Hawley with a raised fist, but in an orange jumpsuit with a number stitched on uh, the, uh, the pocket and the word prisoner. So, uh, you know, the, both sides are going to have fun with this. And I don't ag agree with Pete. I think that um, uh, the, the image of Josh Hawley raising his fist is still an issue for him. But he was still raising lots of money despite that, uh, Lisa. Yeah, I think I think there there was a moment where uh, where we were talking about this possibly uh, you know ending his political campaign with with people withdrawing campaign contributions, mentors turning their backs on him. It clearly has not panned out to be that case. I think I think the mug people people who hate Holly are are going to latch onto this, and and people who love him will will kind of rub it in their faces as well. By the way, the source of the Made in China stickers at the bottom of the Josh Hawley mugs was coming uh, from Billy Long, the Missouri congressman, who's ticked off that Hawley endorsed Vicki Hartzler over him this weekend. Vicki is someone who I am confident has the integrity, she has the character. She's got the toughness to do this job. How does Josh Hawley's endorsement of Vicki Hartzler change the dynamics, if at all, of that Missouri Senate race, Pete? 
I think it makes many Missouri Republicans give her a second look, uh, but I've not heard from any Missouri Republican voters who say, you know, I was kind of unsure of who I'm going to vote for, and this really just tipped me over the edge. I think it certainly helps her. Does it lock her in as a as a top contender? Yes, but she still has some ground to make up. I mean, there's a lot of personalities in this race. We know that much. Uh, she may be the most subdued of that, and that doesn't mean she wouldn't be a good U.S. senator, but politics in 2022, uh, there's personality that has to be part of the equation. Could a Josh Hawley endorsement help her more than one from Donald Trump, Dave? No, Donald Trump remains the, the most important endorsement you can get and may actually move some voters. Endorsements are not what they used to be, Nick. However, uh, as we get closer to the primary, polls suggest that Eric Greitens remains in the lead. And so the battle among Eric Schmidt and Vicki Hartzler and Billy Long and Dave Schatz, who got into the race, uh, uh, is to establish themselves as the one alternative to Eric Greitens. They want a two-person race. And in that sense, an endorsement from Josh Hawley might help Vicki Hartzler say, look, I'm the only viable alternative to Greitens vote for me. So it might help at that level. But in terms of getting lots of votes, only the Trump endorsement really matters. Now, after years of complaining that it's never lived up to its potential, Kansas City is now investing big in the 18th and Vine Jazz District. As we were focusing on weightier state issues last week, the Kansas City Council was greenlighting a $23 million plan to bring dozens of new stores and nearly 60 market-rate apartments to the entertainment district. Some are calling the investment the biggest game-changer in a generation. We've been promised development in the area for decades. Other areas of the city, they're getting soccer stadiums, multi-million dollar investments, power and light sprung up out of nowhere. There is no reason that we should continue to drive by abandoned buildings, burned out buildings, vacant lots in one of the greatest districts in our city. Those were two perspectives. Others aren't as impressed by this latest move, including Kansas City Councilwoman Melissa Robinson, who says it will lead to displacement of black people and gentrification. What does she think is really going to happen, Eric? She thinks that, or she thought, that there were no safeguards for people that are already in the district and there was in the area that's being developed, that block, or those two blocks that are being developed. Nobody's there, so there's nobody to displace. But let me say this, Nick. Now we need to do something about Parade Park. That situation over there with those homes are, let me say this nicely, disgusting and sad. Because you've got people that have lived there for 50 years. They're probably going to be forced out of there within the next several months uh, because that area is such in such a disarray. So uh, we got one side done. Now we need to focus on doing something to help Parade Park. Have we really got it done, though, uh, Lisa? Um, since the 1980s, there's been more than $30 million in civic investment in the 18th and Vine Jazz District. Nothing has quite worked. How will this be different? Well, I think I think that will depend on um, different stakeholders in the district um, coming together on on a vision for this. I think some of the um, you know the the false starts or or the you know incompletion of certain projects has been because. People have different visions for what this should be, even within the district. It's going to be extremely important in this project to, to reach out to residents who live in the district. I mean, honestly, go door to door and ask people. There are people living in 18th and Vine uh, that desperately want to have a say in what they do. They want 
a grocery store. They want it to be a neighborhood and an entertainment district. And so I think a, a real concerted effort, not just from the big stakeholders, but also from the people that live there is going to be crucial to make this, this opportunity a success. In the last few years, Missouri voters have legalized medical marijuana. They've expanded the state Medicaid program. They've greenlighted a $15 an hour minimum wage. Now, Missouri lawmakers want to make it tougher for these kinds of questions to make it to the ballot. This week, lawmakers in Jefferson City want to increase the number of signatures required to put an amendment on the ballot. They also want to raise the bar of what percentage of the vote is required to amend the Constitution. One proposal would require two-thirds vote of the people with so many other issues on their plates. Why is this so important to Missouri lawmakers, Pete? Well, I, I think there is a sense. Um, I think it's somewhat understandable, too, that if you basically have a ton of money behind a cause that you want, whichever side of the aisle that's on, it's not that difficult to get something to ballot. And then, of course, you can fund the grassroots effort to kind of get those signatures and make it happen. Meantime, you know, if that's the case, what's the point of a state legislature with how low that bar is? What does this do to that push to make recreational marijuana legal in Missouri, which is also looking to be on the November ballot this year, Dave? Well, it wouldn't have any effect on that, Nick, because it wouldn't take effect until voters vote on it. And you don't amend the Constitution until the end of this year if you do it. So it wouldn't affect that if it gets on the ballot. We'll see going forward. It is ironic, of course, that the amendment uh, on changing the petition process in Missouri would only have to pass by the simple majority that is now the law and, and attempts to sort of raise that to a two-thirds margin or 50% of registered voters were uh, rejected by Republicans. They don't really, uh, Pete's right, they don't care what voters think. They think that they're the only people in charge of uh, policy in Missouri and with the voters are just a nuisance. And so that's why they're trying to put this on. By the way, if you live in Kansas, get ready to decide a number of big statewide questions at your polling station this year. In August, you'll be asked to amend the Kansas Constitution to explicitly prohibit abortion. And in November, you could be asked to approve a statewide measure that would limit the governor's authority to pass executive orders. I am assuming Republicans in Kansas aren't going to insist that two-thirds of voters have to say yes before those changes become law, Dave. No. You can get the impression that our elected leaders sometimes spend far too much time talking about things that have no relevance to your life whatsoever. Why can't they do things that really help average people, you may say? Well, guess what? They sometimes do. It just may not capture as many media headlines. But this week, Missouri lawmakers are considering a measure that could make a sizable difference for many struggling parents. They want to eliminate the tax on diapers. You may have not given it much thought, but diapers are actually taxed as a luxury good in Missouri, no different than buying a diamond ring or a bottle of champagne. With one in three American parents say they struggle to pay for diapers, is this the issue both Democrats and Republicans finally come together to support? And, and diapers are expensive. Now, I, I don't have any kids, not yet, but, but from, from what I know, these are a huge expense um, on, a, on a daily basis that doesn't go away. And so what to see a, a piece of legislation like this amid all of the other culture war issues we're seeing, it's kind of like... <sighs> like maybe we can breathe a sigh of relief and, and pass something like this that truly would make a difference to everyday families. You're probably the closest person to buying lots of diapers on this program, Pete, because I know you have young kids. Uh, but is this finally the issue? We've talked about all these conflicting issues on the program that both Republicans and Democrats can get behind. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I took out a second mortgage for my diapers the last few years. It's bad. I mean, I'm, I'm going on 
four years of uh, nonstop diapers between the two kids. So, no, it's true. I mean, it's it's true. It's it's an easy bipartisan issue, and um, they absolutely add up. And I'll tell you what, especially when they're young, you just burn right through them. So this is a no-brainer. By the way, if you live in Kansas, you should know a similar measure has been introduced. In fact, it would go even further by also eliminating the sales tax on other hygiene essentials, including tampons and other feminine hygiene products. We'll keep you posted on what happens when you put a program like this together every week. You can't get to every big story making the headlines. What was the big story we missed? Was it the city shutting down after another big snowstorm? Or the emergency landing at KCI as an unruly passenger or on an LA to New York flight attempts a cockpit takeover? He actually tried to open uh, the, the, the plane door and plane the cockpit door. door? Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. I remember thinking this plane's going to go down and we're going to die together. It was the week of the great unmasking. Most local school districts now dropping student face covering rules. This was supposed to be the week the Royals headed to Arizona for spring training, but like so much in baseball right now, it's on hold. Will the lockout also halt the start of the Royals season next month? It's now 51 weeks till the next Super Bowl, and guess what? The Chiefs lead the betting line to win. No victory parade this year, but another major parade on the way back. It's confirmed the Kansas City St. Patrick's Day parade returning for the first time in three years. Alrighty, Lisa, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? I, I will say related to, to schools dropping mask mandates um, this week, I do think that we are entering kind of a new phase of this pandemic. We also saw reporting from the Missouri Independent this week of Missouri officials planning to declare an end to the pandemic as soon as next month. Are we really through this pandemic? I'm, I'm not sure, but we're certainly moving into a different phase as far as leadership and mask mandates go. Eric. Again, Parade uh, Park, they have an inspection coming up on the 23rd. If they don't pass that inspection, then HUD could foreclose on the property or do something with that property, uh, and they have no money to make the repairs to pass the inspection. So that's going to be tragic. Pete. Well, Nick, we're sitting here at the end of the week, uh, frigid, snow-covered Kansas City. Nothing sounds better than spring training, so I'm going to pick the Royals. And uh, the other angle here, too, if this lockout doesn't end uh, quickly, think about John Sherman, the new majority owner for the Royals, steps into this job, COVID year, uh, uh, limited attendance year two, and now potentially a lockout year. What does that mean for the Royals, downtown baseball, his bottom line? There's a lot of factors there, and John Sherman couldn't have taken over at a worse time. Hopefully it doesn't mean anything, but something to watch here is uh, part of a bigger picture with this lockout. Dave. This week, the Justice Department is suing the state of Missouri over the Second Amendment Preservation Act. That will be an important case. The government, the federal government, is telling Missouri it cannot nullify federal laws. That will have nation, uh, nationwide importance. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed thanks to Lisa Rodriguez from KCUR News, Eric Wesson from The Call, Dave Helling from your Kansas City Star, and 6 to 10 weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo. And I'm Nick Haynes. Our membership drive hits the air next week, so we can't be together next week. But as truckers like to say, we'll see you on the flip side. Until then, from all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.